fairly common question that I get asked a lot as a priest is a very simple one. What is heaven like? Albeit, I, I do get that question a lot from kids, mostly. But really, we all want to know, right? What is heaven like? All of us want an idea of what lies beyond this world. And we, we've been to space. Really, heaven is the last frontier of that which we do not yet know. And it's in that context that we have our second reading and our gospel that the church gives us today that help us to answer that question maybe a little bit better. So our second reading. Paul is writing to the Philippians, and he is writing about what we shall be, what heaven is like. He says that it is essentially infinitely more glorious than anything we could ever surmise here on earth. And what he does is he uses the analogy of citizenship to the Philippians. The residents of Philippi, most of them were Roman citizens, and that was a very, very big perk in the ancient world. It had a lot of perks. It was really, really a big deal if you were a Roman citizen. And Paul himself was a Roman citizen as well. But Paul uses Roman citizenship to tell the Philippians that heavenly citizenship will carry with it more perks, and it will be so much more meaningful than Roman citizenship could ever be. But if you notice, Paul says another thing about what heaven is like, something even more interesting. He says that Christ will change our lowly body to conform with his glorified body. What does that mean? What does it mean to have a glorified body? What is the resurrection of the body? Well, here's a little lesson. So in death, we separate the body from the soul. That's what happens at death, the separation of the body and the soul. The body is here on earth, buried or entombed somewhere, while the soul goes to be judged. And right now in heaven, the only people that are in heaven are souls, with the exception of Mary and Jesus. Each of them have bodies in heaven, but everyone else, at least right now in heaven, does not have a body. They only have their souls. But Christ tells us that at the end of time, we will have the resurrection of the body. Our bodies will rise from this earth to be once again reunited with our souls. And they will be glorified bodies, restored to the fullness of beauty and youth. There will be no defects, no imperfections, and we'll all be about 20 pounds lighter. But why is, why is thinking about this just so blissful for us? I mean, just thinking about it, you're like, that, that, that'd be great to have a glorified body. Well, we know that we are weak human beings, particularly in fighting against desires of the flesh. We very much feel like lowly bodies a lot rather than glorified bodies. The desires of the flesh often bring us down. Just think about it. Overindulging in food or drink or even lust, can all rear their ugly head. We can overindulge in our senses so easily here on earth. And so we want to be free from these temptations. We want to be free from these weaknesses, to not have to worry about being brought down by the flesh, but be glorified by God. We want to go where we can transcend our finite existence and live without feeling captive to the desires and weaknesses of the flesh. And it's because of this 
that Christ transfigures himself in our gospel today. Christ is showing his apostles what heaven will be like. He appears in a glorified way. It might not be his glorified body per se, but it's pretty darn close. And the apostles see this, and they love it. They want it. They want to be with Christ more than anything that, that they could even possibly fathom on earth. In fact, they wanted to stay there, right? Peter said, Lord, let us build three tents. This is amazing. I want to stay here for the rest of my life. He didn't want to leave. And hearing this gospel, there are probably some of us who feel the same thing, and that, that's a good thing. But there's an interesting little caveat, because there is, there is a way that we can live in this reality right now, here on earth, even while we are in the flesh. And that is by practicing self-denial, denying ourselves. It's a Lenten tradition in the church. The best way to be free from the desires of the flesh here on earth is to practice self-denial. We have to tell our flesh no once in a while so that hopefully we can grow beyond our earthly or fleshly attachments and desires. It is weird to think that self-denial and penance is a step toward freedom and bliss. But it is so true, brothers and sisters. Not only is it a path toward virtue and holiness, but it helps us get to heaven and experience a little bit of heaven while here on earth. We say no to what we can desire, so we can hopefully desire those things a little bit less, to be free from those sinful attachments. The fruit of self-denial is freedom. The fruit of self-denial is truly freedom. And this freedom is what Christ shows in his transfiguration. In heaven, we will be free from temptation. It's not that we're just going to indulge for all eternity, but we will no longer desire the weaknesses of the flesh. We will no longer want them. Because seeing God and seeing his glorified body and having ourselves share in that bliss, we will no longer have any fleshly or sinful attachments. That is true freedom and the fruit of our Lenten self-denial. So this week, in our self-denial and in our sacrifices that we embark on as a church, may we see them as a way for us to grow in freedom from desires of the flesh, that they can be a preview of the joy and happiness awaiting us in heaven.